one of our values, like I said, is, is it comes from 1 Corinthians 10.31, that everything we do is worship, that we do all things for the glory of God. And so if we are glorifying God in all things, as I was praying, God, that is such a broad, you know, we, we could say, so we could go so many directions with that, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit wanted us to talk about our uh, finances this morning. Um, God calls us to a life that stewards carefully and gives generously. That's the big takeaway that as I was praying and writing and rewriting and rewriting, that, that we would take away that line. In fact, can we all say it out loud maybe? Let's all say it out loud. God calls us to a life that stewards carefully and gives generously. Who can, who can say amen to that? So if I'm called to be a worshiper, we've talked about that, right, before, from Isaiah to, or, um, Psalm 29 and uh, Psalm, I think, 49, it says everything is called to worship God, that, that I'm made for the glory or for the worship of God. If that's true, and worship always involves sacrifice, uh, something that costs me, then God is then, if I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together, God is calling me. And if you will, put your hand on your heart. God's calling me, and maybe God's calling you into a life of sacrificial giving, a life aimed at giving away the goodness of God. And what Jesus said is true, guys. It really is better to give than to receive. I was having lunch with somebody just uh, two days ago, and she was sharing a miracle story. I, I've got a couple miracle stories written down in my sermon text today, but uh, I have so many. I could keep you here until 5 or 6 p.m. of people sharing miracle stories of God's provision and how God works in the background. It's amazing. So God is calling us to live out the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love, the, the patience, the kindness of God. And when you look at those nine fruits of the Spirit, and you look at what the Spirit does in us, it really can be summed up in generosity, in giving. A life meant to benefit others. I've always loved trees, okay? There's just something about trees. Shortly after I married uh, Danielle, where's my beautiful wife? Give a hand for my wife. She's awesome. She's like, oh, Lord, what story are you going to tell? You never see my sermon script, so you don't know. No, it's, it's nothing embarrassing this time. Um, shortly after I married Danielle, I remember walking out, and my father-in-law had a bunch of these trees, little cherry and walnut trees, and, and I saw he had his shovels and everything out there. I said, hey, what, you're planting some trees. He's like, yeah. I said, are you, um, how long is this investment take? Is this like 10 years or 15 years? He goes, oh, no, me and Joanne will be long gone. These trees are to support the grandkids. And that stuck with me. I'll never forget that. That really stuck with me. And I hope that story sticks with you as well. I want to invite you to plant a tree. Some of you are like, cherry or walnut? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Plant a tree with your life. Start thinking, start thinking, everybody squint your eyes like you're already thinking. Start thinking about how your life, your actions, and your finances can benefit 
others. You see, that little conversation stuck with me, and it reminded me, I was writing the sermon in the newsletter this week, it reminded me of a dream that I had when I was around 25 years old. It was a very vivid dream. I don't have a lot of what I call God dreams. I, I could probably count them on one hand. The number of times where I w woke up and I knew God was trying to speak to me. How many of you guys believe the word that says uh, you, God will speak to you, right? Young men will have dreams. Old men will have uh, visions. And uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm almost 40, so maybe I'm starting to go from dreams to visions. We'll see. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I remember having this dream, and I woke up, and I was like, man, this is a God dream. In the dream, there was this young boy. He walks up with his dad to this small tree. All right, so picture a small tree, and he has a saw. And he walks up, and he says, Dad, I want to build a bench. And he reaches to cut the base of the tree, and his dad puts his hand on his hand and says, No, son, we're not going to cut this tree down. You see, you brought a saw, but I brought some seeds. What we're going to do is wait 10 or 15 years, and when this tree is big enough, we'll cut off one or two branches. But more importantly, we will now have seeds from this tree and these seeds, and we'll have an orchard so we can bless others. And the, the message I want to leave you with today is, are you building a bench or planting a tree? Because most people, even Christians, say, I want to build a bench. I'm, I'm going to take what God has given me right here in front of me, and I'm going to use it only for myself, only to find out the bench can get lonely. The joy is in the orchard. Amen? Let me say it again. The joy is in the orchard. So are you, with your life, with your actions, including your finances, are you building a bench? Or are you planting a tree? So the father then looks at his son and says, well, what do you want to do? Hoping his son would not say, build a bench. He raised his eyebrows in excitement and said, let's plant a tree. Amen? I never connected that dream with that story, that experience with Bob couple years earlier, but I don't know about you. I want to, I want to plant a tree. I want my life to bless people far after I'm gone. Amen. So I wonder how many enter their life, enter their, the workforce, enter Monday morning, your nine to five. So just, let's just take a poll. How many of you have a nine to five? You got a job. Right, a little J-O-B. All right, about half of you are unemployed. That's depressing. We're going to work on that. <laughs> All right, so let's try that again because I need a little more audience participation. How many of you have a job? Oh, thank God. All right, not going to lie. I was getting worried. All right, let's just praise God for the job. Let's, let's praise God. Okay, not going to lie. I was really nervous. Half of you were like, I just, just beg on the corner. It's what I do. All right. If you have that job, I have news for you. God gave you that job. God gave you the ability to provide for yourself and to provide for your family, if you have family. All right? So when you're a new Christian, it's understandable to have a build a bench mentality. 
when you are a new Christian, especially when, if you were raised a certain way. Most of us are a product of our environment, and it takes God renewing our mind. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you ever read the Bible, and it challenged you to think and live differently? It should, right? You read the Word, and sometimes you're like, oh, man, I need to change. Let's go to the Word. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 through 4. Some of these are on the screen. Some are not, because I like to challenge you to have that, your Bible out or the Bible app out. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you are also to do it. On the first day of every week, each of you is to be putting aside something and storing it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should also go, then they too will accompany me. So there's this principle, and we're going to read about five passages today. Uh, for the sake of time, we can't read like every one. But there's this principle that we see in the Old Testament, right? And we see it again in the New Testament, that one day a week is dedicated to coming together, not just to offer worship in song, but to offer worship as an extension of our finances, our first fruits, right? So I mentioned that briefly a couple months ago. We talked about God is first in our Sabbath, first day of the week. But also alone, in our alone time with him, we open the Bible every morning, he's the first part of our day. And I want you to understand something. When you hear your pastor talk to you about finances, please hear me. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. Let me say it again. It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. The people, the number of people who have sat at my dinner table, right, and told me God's stories. I, I could keep you here till 6 p.m. We were just having dinner with uh, friends this week, telling us about God's goodness, about God's faithfulness, how they can't believe God's amazing blessing. Um, and that's just this week. Actually, two stories of financial miracles happened this week. Again, it's what I want for you. And what do I mean by wanting that for you? The blessing and the sense of peace can everybody say the word peace? The blessing and the sense of peace that comes from trusting God can come no other way. Let me say that again. The blessing and the sense of peace that comes from God, from trusting God, it can come no other way. When you clench onto everything and you say, no, I'm in control, well, now you're in control. Now you're in control. Now I don't know about you, but when I take all control, I tend to mess things up. But when I give God control, he has a way of working things out, of blessing. The practical way to see where your heart is, and you guys have heard this, if you've heard this, uh, if you've been in church for more than five years. In fact, let's just take a quick poll. How many of you have been in church more than five years? Raise your hand. All right, it's probably about 90% of you. Yeah, I can see some new faces who have received Christ in the last year or two, which is beautiful by the way. But if you've been in church or following Jesus more than five years, especially 10 years, you've definitely heard that teaching from Jesus where he said, where your heart is, there will you find your treasure also. Let me say it in a new way. Let me say it in uh, just a slight variation of what that means. If you have a windfall, let's, hey, it's April. Let's just put the elephant in the room, right? You have a tax return. Can I get a witness? <laughs> you guys are too religious this morning. Thanks. Thank you, Nolan. All right. All right. Everybody's like, 
I was talking about money. I'm not going to say a word. There's two things pastors usually feel very awkward talking about, right? Money and sex. But it's the two things. Yes, he just said that. It's the two things. Turn to your neighbor say, he said it. Turn back to your neighbor and say, it's about to get real. It's the two things, I hope you hear me, that while funny, hear me, it's the two things that break up most marriages. And every pastor knows that. Every, every divorce attorney knows that. You get two separate bank accounts, you got my control, your control, I make more money, I make less money than you, and fighting and bickering. Why? Because God's not in control. And yet it's such a simple paradigm and principle right there in the word, but so oftentimes we ignore it. And so when you have this windfall, when you have a blessing, a raise come from work, the best sign for you to know where your heart is, where your treasure is, is what you do with that. Right away, that's the perfect indicator to know where you're at with the Lord. That's what Jesus says. Where your treasure is, fill in the blank, there will your, come on, one more time. I know y'all know it. Where your treasure is, there will your, right. So suddenly you get a raise. Suddenly you get a tax return, right. And if you have 55 kids like me, those can be larger. <laughs> thank you, government. Yes, thank you. I saw that hand. <laughs> Nolan, the random heckler. He's actually a great guy. He's not heckling, I promise. <laughs> Security's like, should we get him out of here? No, he's good. All right, so should we though? Maybe we, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love him. I love him. Just had dinner accident. I love him. All right, so what you're telling me, Pastor, is I have a windfall, and wherever I put it shows me what I value. Yes. I'm trying to be real. You guys okay with me being real? Uh, where, Pastor, are you telling me that I get a, a tax return, and if I choose to put X amount of dollars into this $10,000 golf club. Uh-oh, somebody's feeling convicted. Somebody's like, oh, that was me. Somebody's canceling their order right now on Amazon. No. You're telling me then that I value or I worship golf. Yes, absolutely. I'm not telling you that. The Bible's telling you that wherever your money is, that's where you discover your heart. So what God is telling us then is let's, let's let him look into our heart and say, God, I'm, I'm going to let you look into my heart. And I'm going to really let you look in. Amen? Amen. Second, I'll, I'll, I'll amen myself. I know it's a quiet sermon, so amen, Jordan. <laughs> that was good. Second Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9. Here we go. Remember this. Oh, actually, can you go back one? I skipped that on accident. Can you go back to that one from Philippians? Because this is powerful. Um, sorry, just go back one slide. Paul was talking to the church back two more. It's not that I desire your gifts. There you go. Not that I desire your gifts. He says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven... I want Jesus to be like, well done, good and faithful servant. Look at, look at this that's accredited to your account. Look at this crown now that you're going to lay before. It's Anyway, okay, let's keep going. 2 Corinthians verse 9. Or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, I apologize I made that so small. 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, everybody say all. In all things at all times, everybody say all. That's a lot of all. Okay, you may abound in every good work. I love how the Amplifies it, it says in all good works. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. Guys, can I just commend you? Last week we took a special offering. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. For a young man who lost his wife. You guys were so generous. Listen to this. To give to a family that doesn't attend this church. And you said, oh, there's a need. I'm going to give. That's a beautiful sign. Come on, let's just praise God. Let's put our hands together. That's a beautiful sign. That's a beautiful sign of what God is doing in your heart. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed. But here's the thing. God can't multiply what you don't give him. God can't multiply what you don't give him. Look at this. He is distributed freely, is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. Ever say multiply. And multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now wait a minute. Is the Bible saying my righteousness is connected to that? Yes. Look at verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. Talking about the generosity of God and God's ability to provide miraculously is one of the funnest things. Is funnest a word? It is now. One of the best things about being a pastor. I'm telling you, hearing God's stories of God's provision. Look at this. You will be enriched in every way. So just curious, right? How many of you want to be enriched in every way? I want to be enriched in every way. But why? Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Oh, wait a minute. Are you telling me that my generosity will produce worship from others? Yes, look at this. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this incredible or this inexpressible gift. You see, it all comes back to worship. You've heard me say it many times before. Everything comes back to worship, doesn't it? When you decide in your heart to let God have control of your finances, and you even, even moving beyond the tithe where you say, Holy Spirit, if you lead me to give to somebody, I'm going to do it, whatever you want. There's a joy in your life that is so much fun. How many of you have attended my uh, conference called Financial Freedom? I've done about six of them. Probably about 60 of you, if I would, if I would guess. Yeah, one more time. Raise your hand nice and high if you've attended that seminar. Yeah, about 60 of you. 
So forgive me, you guys have heard this story. I, there's been a lot of little stories over the years, but one of my favorite God moment stories, and this is what I'm talking about, about the, the, a life of generosity, is I was at that gas station. It's a Circle K now, but um, I don't remember what it was. It was right, right by the subway there in Cortland. And I'm pumping my gas. It was a BP, right? Okay, so I'm pumping my gas, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, give that guy whatever is in your wallet. And I was like, that can't be you, Lord. You know, how many guys have learned, like, if it's, like, going to cost you something, like, it's not, you know, like, I'm like, I'm not that nice. So it must be the Lord, right? So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Lord, that's you. Because number one is random. And number two, it blesses somebody. That's how I know it's the Lord. Those are my two indicators right there. If it's random, I'm not thinking about it. And it blesses somebody, that's probably Jesus trying to do something in my life. So I was reluctant for, like, a good 10 seconds of disobedience, maybe 10 minutes, but give a few. And I waited till I was all the way done, and the Holy Spirit's like, you going to do it or not? You going to do it? Come on. And I'm like, I just went to the bank. There's $100 in there. You know, why can't the Lord wait till after all my kids get all my money? You know what I'm saying? And then, but I had just gone to the bank. And anyway, I walk over. I said, you know, I don't know why, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to give you this money and maybe just tell you that, that God uh, loves you, and he's going to provide all your needs. Broke down in tears. Like, I just lost my job today, and I was just sitting here asking God, what am I going to do, and how are you going to pay for everything? Now, that $100 doesn't pay for everything, right? What does it do, though? It tells him God heard his prayer. It tells him God is real. You know what I'm saying? And that's just a little moment. That's just a little moment where God tested me. And he wants to test you whether he is Savior and Lord. Come on. Or just Savior? Ask your neighbor, say, is he Savior and Lord? Ask him. Just preach at him right now. All right? Is he Savior and Lord? So this passage teaches us a lot about generosity. I want to say it like this. I actually told um, Jimmy this a few times. Jimmy and Jesse are some of the most generous people. They're going to kill me. I think it's twice I've said this a couple times today. So they are so generous all the time. And I've told Jimmy before, you know what's beautiful, when someone has a lifestyle of generosity, what that's a sign of is gratitude. Gratitude always leads to generosity. I'm thankful for what God has done for me. I know it's all from God, so I'm going to give it away. Generosity always springs from a heart of gratitude. Let me say it one more time. Generosity always springs from a heart of gratitude. Right? So let me state it plainly. The tree right, represents what God can do in your life. When you start to say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. So think, here's the thing, guys. Everything involves money. You think about this. Every, every decision of your life, right? I mean, how many have kids, right? Dad, I want to go to the game. How much are the tickets? Thank you, Dennis, for being honest, right? Thank you, right? Dad, let's get pizza. Uh, oh, you know, I have a Papa John's coupon for $6. Yes, we will do that. Come on, you know your laugh because you know it's true. How many of you make these decisions, right? How many of you, just curious, are the light Nazi because you want to save five cents on your power bill and you go behind clicking it off? Anybody live in a dark dungeon? Anybody? Thank you. I see that hand, Bob Barry. I'll see you at the altar. No, just kidding. Right? And in every couple, there's a spender and a saver, Right? And listen, let's laugh about it. Don't elbow them in the ribs right now. Just ra raise your hand if you're the spender, right? You see the big red sign that says clearance, and you're like, honey, 
We could save 60%. We're going to lose money if we don't buy this. And your spouse is like, you're an idiot. You're not losing money by paying money. And then you, the spender, you're like, this is a deal of a lifetime. Right? And it says today only. Come Yes, thank you. I see that hand. I'll also see you at the altar because you too are deceived. I'm just kidding. Raise your hand if you're the spender. Come on. Raise your hand. Right? Raise your hand now. Raise your hand if you're the saver. Like you just want a concrete pad and a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Raise your hand if you're the savior. Or not savior. (laughs) Savior. Really bad pun. Saver. Not savior. You are not the savior. Jesus is. Amen. All right. Raise your hand if you are the saver. All right. Usually about half of you. Okay, just, just for fun. Are you also the morning person? Raise your hand. Yes, you sick people. You are sick in the head. <laughs> like, I love to get up at 5 a.m. And I'm the person, I just want to punch you, you know? Like, get away. Get behind me, Satan. Okay. We all make these decisions. And husbands, you know it's true too. You, say, you see a lawnmower and you're like, you know, honey... We, we need a new lawnmower, you know. And she looks at you and she kind of knows you're lying, you know. She's like, is ours broke? And you're like, it's a 42-inch deck and there's a 48-inch deck. Come on, see, you're laughing because these are real stories. <laughs> I've talked with you at my dinner table and in premarital counseling. And you're like, well, I did spend $7,000 on a mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how big is your lot? It's a half an acre. I needed it. Zero turn. You didn't need it. You are lying to yourself. Okay. How many just felt convicted? Just just raise your hand. I know. It's cool. It's fine. Everything involves cost. I wish it didn't, but it did. How many of you, you go out to eat and you kind of make a decision based on the cost? Anybody? I hope you're, yes. Absolutely. Right? You see the filet mignon, you're like, "Uh, 38, probably not. You know, do you have a burger? You know? Do you have like a junior bacon cheeseburger, you know? And then you turn around and go to Wendy's if you're like our family, right? I wish it doesn't, but it does. That's why, you know, we have some fun with this. But hear me. Let's be real. Money can be a sore spot. 70, over 70%. I've heard this stat a few times. Over 70% of Americans don't know where their money goes. Over 70 Over 70% of Americans cannot tell you money comes in and money goes out. And I don't know where it goes. And here's the thing. Christians, sadly, for the most part, aren't much different. But God can help you with that. God can help you with that. But it starts with trusting him. It starts with putting into practical things. All right. And we are going to put on a seminar here soon. And I'll give you that date. Because uh, I know that is very helpful to a lot of people. We'll go through. It's a three-hour seminar. You say, oh, I don't have time for that. Well, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Until the pain of change surpasses the pain of staying the same, you will not change. Until the pain of staying the same surpasses the pain of change, then you will stay the same. And I don't know about you, but I Love. I want to be at a place where I'm in financial freedom, where God's spirit says, I want you to give that person $100 or $1,000. I can just do it. Amen? So why does God want us to give? The Bible just taught us, right, that when we give, we don't give from a wrong motive. 
We don't give from a place of compulsion or guilt, but from a place of gratitude and obedience. There's a million ways that we could say, okay, this is why we give. But if I had to summarize it to two, I would say gratitude and obedience. Gratitude for the grace of God given to us. And then uh, obedience when you look at tithing, right? Abraham tithing to Melchizedek in the Old Testament. And then again, you see in the New Testament some of the passages I mentioned. And actually on your way out too, there's uh, a little uh, kind of a long blog or a short book that I printed out for you guys today. So I want to give you some stories to illustrate this. All right, how many love a good story? Come on, raise your hand. You love a good story. Wednesday, I'm at this pastor's conference, and this missionary is there to Africa. And already I am, like, feeling just really humbled because here she's a, she was a single woman with a great job in corporate America who left everything to be a missionary in the bush of Africa with no electricity and no running water. How many feel a little challenged when I tell you that, right? I was challenged. I, like, I leaned over to Will and Dave, and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm saved, you know? Like, this girl, she, she was feeling God was calling her to missions, and she was starting to save some money so she could go do that, so she could sell all her belongings. She was starting to save for about a year, and then she had a vision of Jesus standing at the end of her bed and reaching out, her hand, reaching out his hand and saying, come with me to Africa. I have people I want you to meet. So we listen to this story. She goes there. She leads to Christ, the town drunk. Two years later, they get married. They fall in love. He has an apostolic calling. Now they've planted 40 churches. 40 churches. One of their church pastor, one of their pastors just came and told them this story. He said, you're never going to believe this. He said, a lady in our church, she, he was preaching, the pastor was preaching on tithing and giving and and he shows them Melchizedek, and he shows them the New Testament. He shows them that one from 2 Corinthians. And then he goes to Matthew 11, or I'm sorry, Mark 11. In fact, let's read the account. Let me find it in my notes. Mark 11. This is what he read. This is what the pastor read that day. Have faith in God. Jesus said, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, and believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Okay, so I included that last part on purpose because it's not like we're not a name and claim it church. You got to have a purity of heart, a purity of motive. That's why he very quickly ties that to forgiveness and a purity of heart. Well, this woman comes up to him and she says, my husband died uh, recently, I'm widowed, and I have 19 acres to farm for my income, but 18 of the 19 acres is a mountain, and I need God to move that mountain. And the pastor kind of, honey, that's a metaphor. <laughs> so she had more faith than the pastor, so he tells her, oh, it's, it's, it, Jesus is teaching, you know, the mountain represents a symbol, Right? So she's like, no, Jesus, is, Jesus can do it. Jesus can move my mountain. And he's like, ma'am, it's a mountain. How many of you would probably, let's just be honest, you might look at her the same and say, it's a mountain. It's huge. Right? Check this out. She prays for two months. The missionary says there's mountains everywhere. It's a very mountainous region. She has no other way of getting income for her and her kids. Again, she's recently widowed. For two months she prays. Well, one day she gets a knock on her door. 
in the local government, the transportation people, they said, ma'am, we have a really odd request. You see, we want to build a road from here, Niobe or whatever it was, from here to there, and we have searched all these mountains, and we've taken samples, and you have the best mountain. It is the most stone, it's got the most stone in it. Can we level off your 19 acres, take all the stones out, and we will pay you monthly for the rest of your life? So, right, right? So she comes to church the next week. And she's got her offering, right? And this pastor goes, what is this huge, you know, this is a huge sum of money. And she goes, well, it's my tithe. And she goes, he goes, your tithe? This is 10%. You just lost your husband. And she goes, well, remember the mountain? You know, kind of like, and you made fun of me, right? Like, remember the mountain? They needed all of that gravel, all of that stone. They took it out. They leveled it out, made it perfect farming soil. So now she gets all 19 acres farmed and a monthly paycheck. Come on, somebody. Is God good or what? And that was one story. That was one of many stories that they told of God's miracles. I don't know about you, but I love miracle stories. My, my, my favorite part of life is hearing miracle stories. And so what am I saying? God can move mountains literally. You say, are you serious? Yes, he can move mountains in your life. We had one person here, I remember it was about five years ago. It was the strangest prophetic word I've ever given. I said, there's somebody here with medical bills in this section, and they're mounting up, and you don't know how you're going to pay for them. And on Monday, God says, I'm going to take care of them. That Monday, a woman calls our office and the hospital called her that morning and said, we've decided to forgive all of your medical bills. God can do anything. Turn to your neighbor say anything. There's no amount of money. You say, well, well what about this? It's not too big for God. It's not too big for God. I promise you. So the power of a moment when God speaks to us about our finances all right? I'm going to give you some kind of quick takeaways if you're taking notes. The power of a moment. When God speaks to you, you realize, God, that giving should be part of our finances. That giving should cost us something. That should be worked in to our budget. That giving grows our hearts. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Giving grows our hearts just as much as anything else. There's been times when God's asked me to give an instrument to a young person, and it is so fun. It's a blast to give it away. Growing grows our heart. Giving grows our hearts. Giving to the poor, listen to this, is part of God's desire. Missions, trips, all kinds of ways that you can fund the gospel being spread and the kingdom being built. Building the kingdom across the world. You say, well, what about verses like Jerusalem, you know, reaching Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth? Those things take money. A missionary comes in, you hear about every two months we have a missionary he'll share with you. In fact, the Martins just gave us that update three weeks ago, right? They're planting uh, churches right there in the Gambia. How are they doing that? How are they providing the resources, right? The Bibles, the sound system, even building some of the structures. Those take some finances. Giving should drive all of our other financial priorities, and so what I want to ask you is, are you moving along in your giving journey? Are you moving along? All right? So here's what I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you very boldly this morning. 
Again, because I care about you, because I care about your peace, your sense of, is God really in, in charge of my life? And that's part of my job as pastoring you. It's part of my job is to say, how is God making us disciples, right? Followers of Jesus, building his kingdom, and really giving him control of our life. What we found is in most uh, churches, including, including Rock of Grace, you have um, what, for lack of a better word, a tipper, right? So, hey, you know what? I like the kids' ministry. Or pastor, I like your sermon, so I'll throw in that $20. Let's put up that chart. What if God is moving you from a tipping mentality to a consistent giver or an intentional giver? Some of you, you even mark it off in your um, monthly. It's, it's, every, it's automated. All right? So I, I know like so many people use the app and they just make it automated. So it's their first 10% goes to the Lord. But I realize that is a stretch. That is an absolute huge leap of faith for many of you. For many of you say, Pastor, there is no way I could afford to give away 10%. I want to, I want to challenge you. What if God wants to bless the other 90%? You can live on 100% unblessed or 90% blessed by the Lord. Is that a quippy little line? No, it's true. It's right there in the Bible. That's why you see all these heads nodding. Because I've heard miracle story after miracle story. Especially from so many of you that are, are vocal this morning. You've told me those stories. Of the minute you stepped out in faith. What if you became a sacrificial giver? What, what if you said, okay, Lord, beyond the 10%, whenever you want to move on my heart, my heart is open to you. So if I'm at Circle K, if I'm at Aldi's, if I'm wherever I am and you tell me to pay for someone's gas or someone's groceries, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I want to be an extension of your goodness. Amen? An extension of your goodness. Something I personally wrote down three years ago was that me and Danielle would increase our giving in percentage each year. And God has been so faithful to help us do that. I love what Robert Morris says and uh, Rick Warren. They now give away 90% instead of giving away 10%. He said, you know you're moving along this. I was just re-reading, because uh, uh, re it's an audio, but re-listening to his book is so challenging. It's so good. It's called Beyond Blessed. He said, you know you're growing in your maturity when instead of asking what should I give, you start asking what should I keep. And I was like, oh, I almost had to pull the car over. I was like, that's, that's convicting. He said, you know you're moving forward in your maturity with Christ when instead of asking what should I give, you ask what should I keep. That challenged me. And I want to pass that on to you. So what's your giving story? What is your giving story? If you were to say, you know what, Pastor, I am. I'm in that, I'm in that first category where I'm still learning I can't, like, I am already barely making ends meet. You could do what I've challenged some people to do before who've asked me for help in this area. They say, look, I'm in a hole. I don't know what to do. And right in my office, I say, well, here, what if we do this? What if you say, Lord, I'm going to give you 5% and three months from now, come August, come September, like this fall, put a date on the calendar. We say, Lord, by that time, I'm going to start giving you 10%. And some of you might say, you know, I'm going to jump in two feet. I'm going to jump right out. Right, Spirit, lead me. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to step out on the water. 
and start trusting you in that. I can promise you, you can read Malachi 3, you can, you can read in the handout today, the blessings of God. God says, test me. God says, I dare you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I dare you. Guys, it's the only area in the Bible, think about this. Pastor Ed, I'm sure you've said something similar to this, right? And you're pastoring. It's the only area in the Bible where God says, test me. I haven't, I've read the Bible through and through many times. I've never seen another area where God says, test me. Watch. He says, and I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you so much that you won't be able to control it. And I want it overflowing for you. And I want it overflowing in the Beal household. That if the Holy Spirit says to give, we just give. Amen? I want to make this super practical. Because I'm somebody, I like things to be really practical. I want to understand, but I also want to understand what to do. All right? So I'm going to put up a couple pieces of, of advice for you where I, that's helped me grow a lot. I want to challenge you to keep learning. Keep learning. This takes time. Especially if you grew up in a household that this is absolutely like, it's absolutely foreign to you. And some, yeah, it's okay. We have candles. They're like this big though, so they're little tea lights. They won't do much. But um, this can be absolutely foreign to you. And some of, some of you though, it is, it is already your way of life. Some of you, you may have grown up with parents like mine. I remember I got my first paycheck. All right, I was mowing lawns uh, at, at Harness, and I remember I got, I got my paycheck, and I said, Dad, I was like, woo. And my mom goes, all right, so your first $15, have you guys have heard this story? Have you guys all, some of you have heard this story? And my mom, you guys know my mom? She's like five foot nothing, but dude, she's got some strong words. You know, how many guys got one of those moms? She's like, well, that first $15 goes to church. I said, what? She said, yes. I'm like, no. She goes, do you want to go to hell over $15? I was like, Mom, why you got to be so intense? <laughs> now, I tell that story. You've heard me now. I do not actually think anybody goes to hell if they don't die. So don't quote me on that. Nobody quote me on that. It's not what I'm saying. That's a personal story <laughs> from my life. Okay, so I'm not saying that at all. But what, what my parents instilled in me is a trust and obedience to this is what the word says. Let's do it. And then suddenly I would see like God's blessing in my life has never changed since I was literally 14 years old mowing lawns. But for some of you, you did not grow up that way. So you're like, Pastor, that doesn't matter. I cannot give. I cannot afford to give 10%. I want to I encourage you to start, just go to the Lord in prayer. All right? It has to be a decision with your spouse. And you say, let's pray about this. Let's see what God wants us to do. Let's start reading. Here's some podcasts for you. These are totally free. All right? I listen to them often. Money Wise, Dave Ramsey's podcast. There's a lot of them. But these are my top favorites. Okay, so if I were you, I'd write these down if you say, I want to grow in this area. I want to grow in my generosity. How about this? Ask. There's been plenty of times I said, hey, I see you're good in this area. Can I pay for your lunch? Can we just go out to eat? And I just want to ask you some, some advice. I've done that with a few of you in this church that has been absolutely priceless. All right, number three, books. All right, so there's a free one coming to you that's just literally a printout of a bunch of my thoughts on finances. There's one of my favorite books called Beyond Blessed by Robert Morris. How many of you have read that book? Anybody read Beyond Blessed? It's orange and blue. Donna, awesome. All right, and then I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. <laughs> That's a good title, right? I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And then, of course, a seminar. And again, by the way, that's free too. 
We've done that seminar. I've done that about six or eight times here, and I'll give you a date on that soon. Here's the thing. Here's what's my, my question is, what step can you take today? What step can you take today? Because for all of you, it's going to be different. And we're going to close with a little differently. We're going to put a song on, and we're going to play it real loud in a moment. I'm not going to have the band come up. We're just going to play this song. And what I want you to do is just spend five minutes with the Lord. And as I was coming here, and I was saying, Lord, how do you want to wrap up a teaching like this? And, and I, just, I was hearing that song, Oceans, in my head. Because here's the thing. For all of us, that line, take me out right into the deep, Spirit, lead me. Like, when you're, when you're saying, God, take me to walk on water, for some of you, that 10% is absolutely walking on water. You say, I've never done that before. Pastor, that sounds ridiculous. I can't trust. I, there's no way. That feels like a huge mountain of faith for you. For others of you, you're already giving 10%, but the Holy Spirit might say, hey, what if you also took on the 10 cities mission? What if you made a, a, a two-year commitment or a five-year commitment to planting churches? For some of you, it's the Gambia, right? The missionaries in Gambia that we showed their video three weeks ago. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. It might just, it might be a child. Like we support a Holt International. It might be a child. Here's what I know. God knows. God knows exactly where the money he has given you. Everybody just open your hands for a minute because here's the thing. It's his it's, can everybody just say that with me? It's his. And see, where we get messed up is when we say it's mine. But the, th the truth is it's his. So we got to steward carefully and give generously. Why? It's his. So let's play the song. And as we play the song, I want you to be asking the Lord, what do you want me to do starting today? Is there an area of change? Is there a missionary? Is there, how do you want to move in my life? Let's play this song.